AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. Come on, shut And welcome to the Fighting Cock. It's uh, Series 11, Episode 47. Uh, Big John Bass in for Flav. Um, which you could probably tell that because I actually knew what series it was and what episode it was. So uh, nice. a good start. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Thelonious Filth. T, how are you? Oh. Not bad, not bad. Afterglow of the wind, so still bad. Exactly. Still, still standing in the rays of sunshine after a glorious win. Uh, also joined by Cal. How are you, mate? Yeah, man. Notorious pod takeover. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but actually it's true. Um, so for the next hour, we're going to be t- discussing some of the unknown albums from the 1992 era of hip-hop. Uh, no, we are going to be talking about the wonderful world of Tottenham Hotspur's glorious 3-2 victory. The goals from Harry Kane uh, and Kulisevsky over 
plastic scum Manchester City. Uh, T, where, where did you watch the game, mate? Um, half watched it um, with my brother and listened to some of the second half on the radio, driving back to my missus's and um, missed the Kane first goal and watched the rest of it, sat alone in the bedroom, just screaming by myself. <laughs> just... It's literally like an insane asylum, just a, just a man screaming. Your neighbours must have just been like, what the fuck is up with this guy? Well, it's just, a uh... bit like um, during COVID, they televised every game, so you can't attend a game, you can't go to a mate's house, so just have a throwback to that, really. Yeah, it's, in some ways, that's, it's quite nice, right? Because you can just let go, you don't have any uh, inhibitions. When I watch it with Ree, my other half, she, she judges me quite badly, Um she tells me to shush and like shut up and I like try to ignore her as best I can, but it's actually quite she's basically like a live in VAR. Like she's a buzz killer. <laughs> so I'm going nuts and then, I'm going nuts. And then she's like, Oh, maybe it'll be offside. Just calm down. I'm like, All right, I'm trying to enjoy this. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's it's quite bad. Um, Cal, how about you, mate? Where did you watch the game? Yeah, I missed the first goal. I was listening to it in my cousin's car. We was on the way back from seeing a mate and uh, his little boy was asleep in the back. So I couldn't go batshit mental. So I did like the Spanish goal celebration. You know, when we know in the Spanish crowd, they don't go, yeah, they go, oh. So that's why I did. I had to do a little quiet Spanish to myself when Kulisevsky scored. Um, and for me, like the most painful bit was that last was after the, the winner. And the excessive amount of time that the referee added on. Uh, I was screaming so much that my brother texted me, you lost your voice yet, mate? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it, that was one of those moments where, and we, weirdly, we've had, a, we've had a couple this season, like the, the Leicester one, obviously, where that like level of excitement. Then we've had like this gap in the middle and I saw like some memes going around about like the Godfather, like just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in, right? And that's, that's what this game was like to me. Uh, yeah. And I completely fucking lost it um, with the final winner that went in. Um, let's let's just quickly like take a step back. Right? We'll obviously get to the, the joy and ecstasy of uh, of the winner and how the, the sort of the final, I was going to say final few minutes, but it was a fucking age uh, in the second half. But let's, let's just go back to the beginning of the game, first of all. So when you saw the lineup, T, uh, how did you feel about it? Obviously, Dyer being back in, how, how were you feeling going into this game? Well, it's like um, you know. On one hand, we had um, we had Dyer back, but um, then Reguilón had COVID, so that was a bit of an annoyance. We had Cessignon, who he did all right, to be fair. Um, the two new signings were starting again, but I think the biggest um, most noteworthy thing was um, was was Eric Dyer being back, and um, he he made a massive difference. Um, Winks was the one to miss out. Um, I think it's because he's just terrible against teams that press. So it was a very logical lineup, and um, I came into the game thinking, well, it's, it's. I mean, two defeats made it not a free hit anymore. It made, made it a game that we had to get something from. I, I thought, well, he couldn't have really gone much better. You know, he dropped Lucas Moura for Kulisevsky. Um, Winks is in there. Benton Core gets a start alongside Hoybier. So I thought, well. He's get, and we've got Romero back as well alongside Da, so we've got our best chance of getting something here. Yeah, I, th- I thought, um, and Carl, get your get your view on this as well. I, I thought when I saw the lineup, having Dyer back just psychologically felt felt better. Um, you mentioned there with Winks dropping out, that, that element of being able to break a, a press with passing, and we've seen that Sanchez, especially recently, has really struggled with that. So. Immediately, I was more comfortable with that three of uh, Davis, Dyer, and uh, Romero. Um, Kat, how did you feel about the team? Were you, were you confident that we could get something out of this game? We've got a good record against them, right? So, were you feeling like worried, or were you feeling optimistic? Uh, yeah, like you said, we we do have a good record against them. But I was on the pod; I think it might have been last week, uh, and I said we have a good record against them. I can't remember the last time they pumped us, forgetting that they pumped us last season three 0 which Barney <laughs> reminded me of. <laughs> Barney was straight straight in my DMs on WhatsApp. Oh, mate, they pumped us last season. Um, but uh, other than that, we do actually have a pretty good record against them. So I thought, um, you know, and and you know what? Sometimes when we get to these places, I think this this if we'd have lost, it would have been the first time we'd 
um, lost four in a row for donkey's years. And usually when we get to a point like that, we that's usually when we pull out a result, as pathetic as it sounds like. It's only when we're about to hit rock bottom that we actually turn up. And so I did think we might get something. And I was actually quite pleased to see Hoybier back in. I'm not his biggest fan, but we took him out of the side and we really missed him, particularly with Skip out as well. So when I saw the team, Bentencourt and, and Hoybier in the middle, as well as Dyer being back, I was like, hmm, okay, we've got a shot here. Yeah, and I feel like it's just one of those games where it's weird because there are so many other teams uh, that will just get smashed against it. And I appreciate it, but I'm pulling you up about us getting <laughs> dicked by them. But generally speaking, like uh, if you look at the sort of, I don't know, the last eight, nine games against them, like we've probably got a better, better record than most teams in the Premier League against them. I think it's only Chelsea have got a better record against them than us. So mm. we, we've we've been doing really well. So weirdly, I was like, we've just had a, a shit run of results. Like my, I guess my brain is like, oh, we're going to get smashed. But in my heart, I was kind of thinking, nah, this is this is a bit of us. This game, there's there's something to be had here. Maybe there's like a point to be had here, or like a valiant defeat. But I wasn't expecting what um, ultimately unfolded. However, the game the game the game started pretty pretty well. Um, I want to talk about the first goal tee. Can we just, before we get get into the actual fit, Kane's reverse ball down the line for Sun was genuinely orgasmic to the point that if I had have been wanking, that would have been the moment that I actually ejaculated on the carpet. Um, and and obviously with Re being VAR next to me, um, that definitely would have got ruled off um, for disgusting behaviour. Uh, uh, that, that first goal kind of was exactly what we needed, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's... Um... It felt a bit like a boxing match where, you know, the favourite gets rocked in the first round and it felt it felt a bit that way. Uh, I mean, I wasn't... I mean, when Son was one-on-one, I thought, oh, my God, Son's going to fuck this one up. And when he passed, I thought, what the fuck are you doing? Go around him. And then when Kulisowski rolled it, I thought, is he offside? Is he offside? And then when he's a lad, I like, oh, my God, this is great. But then um, for the next um, 15, 20 minutes, it felt like we were just getting absolutely pummeled. It might have been my nerves, just not analysing the game properly, but it just felt like they just had so much of the ball. And Cancelo was an absolute magician, one of my favourite footballers, and he was just putting on the clinic against Emerson Royale for the first half hour, at least. And I just thought, God, this could be an absolute shellac in here. But but we held firm. But um, it was lovely that Kulisewski got the goal. Um, it vindicated him starting. Um, he he um he does split opinion among among the fan base, but something. I mean, I'm probably going to revert to this every time I <laughs> I talk about him. But the athletic article just shows that he's a very intelligent footballer. He watches a lot of football, analyzes how you know how players play, and um, I think he just had the presence of mind to just be there with Sonny because he could have just left left Sonny to it. You know, what I mean, but he was there to just pick up the pieces, and he was there to to slot home. Yeah, I I also, I feel like everyone said exactly the same thing. Like, when Son broke through, probably like either shoot, then when he got a bit closer, it's like, go around him. And then when <laughs> when he laid it off, I think every, everyone was like, oh, fuck, he's fucked it. Um, Cal, how did you feel about when that ball was getting laid back to Kulisewski and Diaz was on the block? What, what was going through your mind, mate? So I heard it in the car. So all I heard is, Kulisewski scored. And then I did the Spanish, oh! But then I watched it. I obviously watched the, watched the replay afterwards. And yeah, you feel that kind of same anxiety when Sun's one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Like, oh, you can't shoot. Oh, go round him. And then fuck me, how calm was Kulisevsky? He was yeah. just like, yeah, just pass it through his legs. Yep. Yeah, it didn't even really celebrate that much. It was just like, yep, yeah, through the legs. Yep. Yeah, oh, this is all right. This Premier League, isn't it? I thought this was going to be hard. Like, these are the champions. Bunch of mugs. Uh, he was just not. He was just like, yep, yeah, that's fine. Four minutes in, one nil. I go away at the champions. Lovely jubbly. It was just, yeah, so calm. Lovely little finish. Sun looks like he's got his groove back. He was, I thought he was really good on Saturday. Um, and Kane, it's like Kane borrowed um, Gareth Bale's left foot on Saturday. He was using that left foot constantly. He was pinging 50 yard, 50 yard balls oh. with his left foot. He was just unreal. Um, but yeah, it was it was good to get the goal because against a team like City, you need that cushion. You need it because you know they're going to come at you. You know they're going to batter you for periods of the game. Um, and T's right, Emerson was getting absolutely filled in for about 40 minutes. And Kulisevsky was having to come back and cover for him constantly. Um, 
But then after in the, after about 40 minutes, he seemed to relax. Um, it was actually after they equalised. He seemed to relax after that, and I actually thought he was quite good until he was taken off. I mean, yeah. to be fair, the, the, the triangle of death are broken up, which is um, Sanchez, Royale, and um, Lucas Moura. So <laughs> that's probably why it kind of worked out in the end. Yeah, that's a, a really good point about um, Kulisevsky, because he actually, he obviously uh, scored and created that uh, Kane goal, but and his general attacking play was brilliant, I thought. He was he played really well. But his his defensive work was great. Like, he really was supporting well and, like, getting back and doing the miles. And, like, you can see why, like, he could be a really good player in this Conte system. Also, I just feel like we, um, we've been lacking technically gifted players. Like, we just, we have a lot of, like, cloggy awkward footballers and Kulisevsky's touch and passing is just is just like a lot better than a lot of the players in our squad so I think he he'll also help just from a, like a ball retention point of view and there were so many there were so many times when he just I just think he just didn't really give the ball away much I didn't I haven't really checked the stats because I'm not a stats nonce but um mm. I felt like he was just very composed and just very good on the ball and technically I'd rather have a lot more technically gifted players in the squad, so it's nice that we've um, that we've added him. He took his goal really well. Yeah, he was really calm, and it was uh, it was nice to see. So we go one 0 up, and then as T said, the onslaught began. Uh, it was a little bit fucking uh, Lord of the Rings, two towers, just digging in and getting the shit kicked out of us for the next fifteen twenty minutes. Uh, and then we had the um, the misfortune of about th- sort of thirty minutes in ish. Hugo uh, making a bit of a stinker um, and mm. spilling one at the feet of Gundogan, who then slotted it um, to equalise. How were you feeling when that went into? Because to me, I was a little bit like, ah, this is, we fucked it now. Like we we had to basically get to half time, uh, and we didn't. We conceded, and it was a shit goal. So what did you what did you think when um, Hugo spilled that one, mate? I hated him so much in that moment. I really, really hated him. Like, I don't know if you guys remember during COVID and there's like the occasional person in the crowd over there where um, somebody works for the club. But if I was an employee of Tottenham and he did that, oh my God, you'd have just seen me go down the steps, just be screaming my head off at him because, um, you know, it's, it's obviously a team effort and we were expending a lot of energy chasing after the ball and it's just important that everyone keeps their head. And the fact he's done that is just just kind of um killed a lot of the you know a lot of the hard work we'd done in keeping them at bay um the Dyer and Romero were doing well I mean I think as Carl um alluded to we were keeping them at bay I mean they're all over us but we were still we weren't I would say we were uncomfortable but I think we were keeping them at bay and that goal gave them something to hold on to and um it was just so so annoying and just so avoidable he's making he's making these mistakes but then after that mistake he put on he had a great game after that. Um, it felt like um, a bunch of players just needed something bad to happen to them personally or as a team and to kind of wake <laughs> up. You know, it's like Emerson Royale got a pasting. He improved and um, and Hugo Lloris improved a lot after that mistake. Yeah, it's a bit like in um, The Simpsons when I think like Mo gets punched and then his face goes like handsome and then he gets punched again and it goes <laughs> ugly and it was like every time every time they got punched and they got good looking they were like oh fuck it out I'm actually quite good and they'd play quite well for a bit and then they'd, they'd get rinsed and go back to being shit um yeah Hugh, Hugh, Hugo's fuck up for the first goal it's been a couple of little mistakes isn't there from him recently Cal um mm. but he, he did recover didn't he he pulled off as T said a couple of unbelievable saves in the second half yeah, and yeah, he did. He he had he made one really really good save because he looked slightly unsighted for that one as well, and then one hit the post. But other than that, I don't remember them kind of peppering our goal too much, even in the second half. Unless I've you know I've got rose tinted glasses on, and they they had loads more shots on target than I remember. Um, but yeah, he he had a shocker against Wolves last week. He was really bad. Um, but I don't think it's you know, a coincidence that you play Romero on that right instead of Sanchez and you play Dyer in the middle instead of Romero and it's it's a completely different defensive unit and looking at the end of the game, the two goals we conceded were that and a penalty, which was, could say it was soft. Um, I can see why they gave it, but yeah, so I think, I think that save and I think that second half performance and the win will actually be really good for Hugo. Hopefully he can put that Wolves performance behind him now and put the 
that you know the the kind of the flat for the first city goal behind him as well and we can just kind of move on we can see Hugo back get back to the to the goalkeeper that he is yeah and I think you're right like it's one of those things is if he if it was the other way around right if he made some crucial saves and uh like started the game off fairly solid but when it mattered he faulted and fucked it and that that to me is much more worrying than making a mistake early and then the rest of the game going right that's it now I'm gonna perform at a better level um, so yeah, look, it's not great to see a keeper make mistakes, especially like kind of back-to-back games or in a, like a short period. But he's still doing what he does. I mean, a lot of keepers will make that mistake. Not many would have saved that goal. That was fucking mental. That save. So that's what, what I get with Hugo. Is, what else is good is that we have another away game fairly quickly. So um, I find at home we can be a bit tentative. I mean, there's that stat that's doing around that. Um, unbeaten outside of London and there's something in that in that um when we concede a goal at at home, you know, we do chant common new spurs, but then there's the booing that happens at half time and at full time if we lose the game. But away from home the fans are invested in hacking the team. So we've got another away game in a couple of days against Burnley and we should be bringing good numbers for that and hopefully it'll be another good atmosphere and another great night for Spurs. Um there was I mean, I think it was Bardi that said, um, God, he's getting name checks all over the shop in this pod. <laughs> but um, he mentioned that maybe the Leicester, um, the, the Bergvine winner papered over some cracks because um, we were getting smashed for most of that game and we just did a smash and grab. But on Saturday's game, that wasn't a smash and grab. We were just, um, we were just tactically perfect, I'd say. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a, that's a really important point, right? I think we all got a little bit carried away with Leicester and rightly so right you can't you've got to enjoy those moments that's literally what the best thing about football is like last minute yeah. winners and smashing great you've got to enjoy it but I think there was a sell, uh, a false sense of like oh okay this is the result that's now going to propel us on and we're going to be the best side in the league and this is the same with this result fuck me let's enjoy it all I've been doing is relentlessly retweeting and liking stuff on Twitter I've watched all the content I've watched match of the day twice like I'm fully invested However, this time round, I've also got like a bit more of a guard up in terms of like what we can achieve this season and like the next few few games and stuff like that. My expectations are a little bit more balanced um, for where we are. And I think, yeah, you're right. Maybe there, there's the expectation element of when we play at home that we, we expect a lot more. And actually, it probably won't do us a bad thing to just have a couple of away games and pick up some good results, hopefully. Um Cal touched on it earlier, but I just want to talk about Kane's performance. Um, I tweeted after the game, I think that might have been the best, if not one of the best uh, individual performances I've, I've ever seen in the Premier League. Um, he had everything, like absolutely everything. I mean, I know people talk about it a lot, but like, is like just winning headers in, a, in his own defensive half, right? Does that, there's basics, right? He was playing balls. 30 40 yard pings like Cal said with his with his left peg right peg balls around the corner he was holding the ball up he was winning fouls scores scores a couple of like goals in the game and another one disallowed he was absolutely imperious and they shat themselves and did not know what the fuck to do with him um where does where does that performance genuinely where does that performance rank in like Harry Kane's Spurs career because that's got to be up there hasn't it yeah, definitely top three. Um, that's his best performance under Conte, clearly. Um, under Mourinho, he had those performances a lot of the time, whereby he was dropping deep and playing Son in. The problem with Mourinho was that there wasn't the, there wasn't a the variation in the, in the tactics. So what they'd do, they'd have a defensive midfielder just to sit on Kane, so he wouldn't be able to to ping those passes around. So um, and also, what else is quite interesting is that I mean, obviously Chelsea are massive team per se in the in the scheme of the Premier League. But Liverpool and Man City, we pulled out two big performances and it shows that Conte can kind of um you know can prepare us against the bigger teams. I think today's I think Saturday's performance was very, very important for Kane because he hadn't scored in a couple of games and there's those whispers of, you know, maybe is he has he still got City on his mind, is he is he past it? But Kane will always be Kane. Um I mean, I guess the most important question here is: um, is is he forgiven, Cal? Do you do you forgive him? Uh, I I love him again. Do you know what I was? I was. <laughs> I, I love him. Really awful. 
<laughs> no, it's normally me. It'd be on brand saying, no, I hate him. Get him out of my club. But do you know what? I saw the, they did the interview afterwards on Sky Sports and it was him and Sonny and they both just stood there together grinning like big, massive, cheesy grins at the camera. And then they looked at each other, grinning at each other. I was like, fuck, I love you too. And Harry Kane, the way he celebrated the winner, like proper fucking... It, it, and he loved it. He loved scoring a winner. He loved winning the game. He went straight over to the away fans afterwards. I was like, you cunt. I fucking love you again now. Why have you done this? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, I was ho- what well, I was kind of waiting for him to smash a couple past the scum and win us that game. And that would cement it. But I think I'm already there. I don't know about what you guys think. Monty. Um, yeah, it's very very much well on the way to forgiveness but um the pragmatic side of me is just thinking let's just wait till the transfer window the summer transfer window shuts to see how i feel because um i've got a feeling that he if you don't make top four it could be a bit peak and he might just walk out anyway but Uh after that performance i was i was madly in love with him and um he's and i think this is probably the first time in his career that it's his professionalism has been questioned. You know, the very bad start to the season. He's only, he's only got about seven league se- goals a season so far, maybe nine single figures. And these are low figures for him. But um, one thing he's always been, is has been very consistent, doesn't have droughts, a bit like Cristiano Ronaldo, really. So uh, hopefully that game acts, acts as a springboard because um, after the Liverpool game, um, we, what, I think we beat West Ham, I beat Palace, but then we had a we had a couple of dodgy results after that. So this kind, hopefully, Conte is um, you know keeping the equilibrium among the players. Some something that Conte says a lot is that um, the emotional side of our squad is very very fragile, and um, that was on my mind when they equalised the Mahrez penalty. Thinking, oh my God, there's a there's a small chance we could throw this away because Conte said that we're emotional, and we didn't. So. Oh, it's just, I'm just, there's so much shit to say about Saturday. I'm still buzzing, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we had a question from Jackson Harefield who said, how many more high-level performances like Saturday before he's one of our own rings out across the ground for Harry Kane? Feels like we're close. I think what Cal said is spot on. Cowards not turn up to that game is a shame, but actually for, for Kane's love to be back at the lane, it could work out perfectly because if he does end up scoring the winner against those mugs, uh, that will be, I think, the moment that the chorus of he's one of our own will ring out around the ground. I think that's when it will happen. I'm pretty close, and I agree with Cal. Just seeing the sort of like interaction with, with him and Son, and then them like getting that record or like equaling that record. Um, you kind of, for me anyway, it's this like I want him to fall back in love with us as much as I want to fall back in love with him. And that felt like a moment that he might go, fucking hell, I love this club. This is why this is why I've stayed for this long. And actually, it does mean more here. Like, I could go to City and just fucking win, but who gives a shit about that? Where I could stay here and do something special. And it felt like a long time of this season, he's been, especially the first half, he, he was going through the motions. I personally felt like that. And it was like, he's playing, but he's playing because he's a professional and he's realised he just needs to knuckle down and play either way. It felt like this game particularly felt like he he was enjoying it and he was enjoying playing for the club and playing for the fans. And you mentioned it earlier about the away support. And I know it's like, it's a fairly obvious thing. I don't want to seem like we're pandering, but I thought the, the away support were absolutely, and they have been all season, absolutely magnificent. At times, like when you watch that game, you you think that was a Spurs home game. They were so much louder. And I know that City's fan base get trolled, rightly so, for being pathetic, which they are. Um, they but are. when Kane scored the winner and was running running to our away support, that was that was a bit of a moment for me where I was like wobbled when I was like, oh, I don't want to call him Snake anymore. Like <laughs> maybe he's not a snake. Fuck. Um, I mean, he'll, there's there'll always be something that he took away from my love for him. That, that will always be gone there. Uh, can I like fall back in love with him? Yeah. Will it be to the same level? Maybe not, but I can definitely see myself falling back in love with him. And if he carries on playing like that, fuck me. It's not going to take very long, is it? 
Um, all right, let's let's talk, let's talk about that mad last. I don't. I I sort of lost track of time because the last. I think it was like the last twenty minutes were fucking mental. Um, I, again, I can't remember like the order of these things happening, but essentially, like Kane scores on the. I'm just looking at it here, fifty ninth minute, mm. and we we can do we score to make it three one, and then it's disallowed yeah. by VAR, right? Yeah, and right. then. They get a penalty at 90, 90 minutes plus two with seven minutes of injury time on the clock. Mm. We then kick off and then play for a few more minutes, like three more minutes, and then Kulisewski whips in a ball and Kane scores to make it 3-2. Um, that whole like 20-minute spell or whatever it was was some of the most dramatic mental football I've ever experienced. How did that? How did that feel for you, T, in that moment of of that like back and forth of disallowed goals? Then they get a penalty. Then we end up winning it. Just, just fucking Spurs. This fucking weird, weird, weird club. It's just so, so bizarre. I mean, um, when I saw the handball, it was it was a nail on pen. Um, yeah. It's not. I, I can't call it a soft pen because he's Andrew in an unnatural position and. You're not going to get away with that when VAR is involved. So, I was, I was just having the, you know, um, I was just having a conversation to myself, saying, "Well, I've taken a draw anyway. It's fine." But then, a minute after, I was like, "Fuck off! Fuck off! Why have we fucking won this?" It's like going through all this plethora of emotions in my head. So then, um, I see um, Kuliseski's like one on one with Cancelo, and he almost shows him to his left, which is very weird. Surely you just yeah. force him out to you know see the game out so that was bizarre from Cancelo then the cross goes in and it's it's like it just all happened in, in slow motion when um when Kane leaps up above Carl Walker and it goes in and I thought why didn't Edison move why didn't he try and claim the cross is there something wrong here and that's what VAR done to my head but mm. then all this is happening within a split second and then I'm thinking fuck I'm gonna celebrate this goal anyway and <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just <laughs> absolutely glorious you know I mean I think every Spurs fan says fucking yes over and over again. Every score when something nice happens, and that was me just in my room by myself saying, fucking yes, fucking have that. <laughs> it, was, it, it, it was beautiful. And um, just seeing Kane wheel away in celebration, and it, it, it was wonderful because, um, as I said, it's just been such a stressful week. There was the Conte interview with Sky mm. Italia and the. Uh, the uh, the media lapping it up and the fans saying, "Oh, he's going to definitely leave us." And got all the defeats in a row. And not sure if Eric Dyer is going to make it back. It was just a very, very intense, very tough week to be a Spurs fan, you know. And um, it was just an outpouring of emotion at the end of that game. It wasn't just, wasn't that we beat City away. I think that's probably the first time we've beaten them away in seven years, I guess. Um, so. You know that was that's massive in and of itself. But it was just such an intense week because I'm thinking, where are we going this season? We were talking about fourth place before we had those two home games, and it seems so far away. And um, after the game, they talked about the title race. I had no idea how far away Liverpool were from City. I was just focused on what we were doing. And and when that ball went in the back of the net, I just thought, God, this is just. After the week we've had as Spurs fans, it's just such a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, it was it was absolutely glorious. And how about you, Cal? How did you um that like roller coaster of emotions? How um how did you cope with that? Not well, if I'm honest. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> not well at all. Like we we obviously the the third the third goal initially not that not the actual winner, but the kind of the ghost goal got ruled out. And I celebrated that like fucking yes. And then it got ruled out. And so when the actual winner went in, I just kind of sat there. I didn't move. I was just like, oh yeah, but it's fuck. Because Vars, like T said, Vars has kind of done that to us. It's it's kind of when something like that happens in the game, it does kind of stop you from being completely in it, being completely just free of any concern when a goal goes in. And so I didn't move. And it was only when they showed the replay. And I could see Kulisevsky was on side. I was like, yes. And even then, I didn't properly celebrate. And then it felt like, I think Anthony Taylor was the ref. We got to the 100th minute. 
We got to the hundredth minute and I was screaming at TV, you fucking cheat again and again and again. Because it felt like it felt like to me he was giving them everything. And there was uh, De Bruyne, I think he, he pushed over Royale, thought that's a yellow card. Hoybio, he, he was clipped and stopped from, from a break and I thought that's a yellow card and neither of it happened. I was just fucking angry <laughs> until the final whistle. And then I was like, yes, yes, we're fire one. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it, it was, you know, like T said, like you said, John, you have to enjoy these moments. Yes, it's just one game. Yes, it's just three points. But that's what football's about, man. It's about going to go into these grounds where we're not supposed to win, where nobody really wants us to win other than us, and going there and doing it. And you can see why I just watched Conte Cam before um, before we started recording. That's such good viewing. Is he the difference between him and Nuno is oh. chalk and cheese? He is everywhere. He is kicking every ball. You can see he's really got an affection for the players. When the winner runs in, he runs in. He runs into the bench and hugs <laughs> Joe Roden of all people. It's so mad. He wraps his arms around. Joe Roden's like, yeah, like they're proper. These got the players have bought in, like they have. And Kane particularly, he needs to play for a big dog manager like Conte or even Jose. I don't I half don't blame him for not turning up at the start of the season because he's playing for that fucking drip Nuno. I wouldn't play for him either. Um, or, or someone like fucking Graham Potter, that nerd, just got tumped up by Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon's been doing bits since Candy Shop was in the charts and look at him, he's just tumped up Graham Potter. All the stats <laughs> nerds are fucking crying into their fucking Transformer pyjamas. Fucking pathetic. Oh, it was so good to see Aaron Lennon smash one in the other day. But yeah, yeah. just amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah, all the only stat I care about um, Aaron Lennon sm smashing Graham Potter is the expected lols. Uh, and there are <laughs> fucking loads, mate. Fucking loads. Um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was such a glorious uh, end. One of the things that I've enjoyed the most is is that our Tottenham celebrating like they won the league. Like, sorry, I seem to remember a certain fucking disgusting cowardly club celebrating a good forty five minutes against the team they ended up losing to. So, <laughs> what? What? Wind your fucking neck in. Shut your mat. You don't know what you're talking about. Shut your mat. You lot down the road, wind it in. We celebrate a win because guess what? Winning games is fun and you should celebrate it. And you should celebrate the better the opponent and the harder the scenario, the more you should be allowed to celebrate. Don't let anyone tell you how you want to celebrate. If you want to over the top celebrate, fucking do it. Who gives a shit? So yeah, that's, pro that's really, it sounds like I'm annoyed. I've actually really enjoyed that seeing those tweets because mm. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking proper got to them. Man. which is which has been great um there were some weird moments i don't know if anyone saw this um i don't know if it's been doctored because it just looks weird the hoiberg shaking off conte at the end of the game mm. has anyone seen it yes so, like conte goes in for a hug and then it looks like hoiberg sort of like shrugs him off and storms off and conte looks a bit put out that was a bit bit weird and then also i don't know if anyone saw the fourth official like look absolutely <laughs> fucking devo when Kane scored, which again was just was beautiful to see. Yeah, that was that was very odd. I think um I think that was Craig Pawson. I think. It was. And um apparently he's ref six of our games and they've lost five of them. So Fuck there might know. be something there might there might be something in that. And um mm. as as for Hoybier, I'm sure that um Conte is wishing a terminal illness on him after that. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was odd, Cal. That like I don't know what the reason for that was. I mean, I guess none of us know, right? I can only assume it was a sort of a falling out, maybe about him being dropped or something like that. Would you? Yeah, think? maybe. Yeah, maybe. But you you kind of get the impression that Conte doesn't let he doesn't let things stew. He confronts yeah. it straight away, and he would have walked straight into that dressing room and said, "What's your fucking problem?" Took his shirt off and said, "Let's have a move about right now." <laughs> And then settle it and it's all finished with because um, that's the type of man he is and the type of manager he is. Yeah, I did see it. I thought it was really odd. And I did see Craig Pawson as well. He just, he, his whole body is like his whole body just dropped. He just went, Flated. oh, oh, and that's it. And that's what we just have to, like, I think a lot of us fans, we, we watch Sky Sports and we, we read The Athletic and newspapers and things like that and we kind of it's nice because these guys you know we watch these things because they're they cover football and we want them to say nice things about our team 
but they're not going to because they all hate us. And that's absolutely fine. And you've got the right attitude, John. Enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that they all hate us, the, the Matt Laws and the Telegraphs of this world, how much they all detest us. Because when we have moments like Saturday, we get to rub it in their grubby little faces. And seeing Craig Pawson go, oh, no. Um, it was great. It was just so good. Um, so, yeah, was brilliant so good. stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was it's interesting you, you say that, Carl, about um, enjoying moments because um, I think a few of our fans sang Tottenham get battered everywhere they go after we won. Um, mm. I tweeted it after we won and I got fucking pelted because I probably think I support Man City. But mm. people say, oh, yeah, but it could backfire on us. Why are we about that? That's, that's a problem for future T. Future, you know, current T don't give a fuck about what future T's got to go through. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this fucking moment and sing my shit and say my shit because. Um, you know, I might never see another Spurs game again. So if that's going to be the last Spurs game I ever see, I'm going to I'm going to bask in that ring. I'm not going to say, well, if you lose against Burnley and Leeds and all that was for nothing. I don't care about that. I'll worry about that when it happens. Because um, as I said, this, this has been a very tough week for everyone around Spurs. And just having that happen is just um, it's a beautiful thing. And I really, really hope... It can be a springboard and not a false dawn, as the Liverpool game earlier in the season half proved. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think with that, particularly with that um, Tottenham get battered everywhere they go, that is literally the, the purpose of us saying it, is we say it enough that when it does happen and clubs sing it to us, it just doesn't have the same power. And that's exactly. like the whole idea of it is like we own it. So like when we win, we sing it. And when we lose and they sing it, it's like, well, who cares? Like we, we sing it to celebrate. So fuck him. Fuck them and fuck them all. Um, all right, uh, we've got a question here uh, from Spenny G. How much pleasure does it give you knowing Pep went home on Saturday night, put on his Antonio Conte toupee, sat on his fake dugout <laughs> seating, he, he forced his wife to buy him, and imagine what it'd be like to manage the greatest striker in the world. Um, <laughs> Cal, <laughs> how, how bitter do you think Pep was because I feel like he was fucking seething after that game. Um, <sighs> just about Kane, just completely smashing him to bits. He must not even just Kane, just Tottenham. He must fucking yeah. hate us so much. We even beat him with Nuno for fuck's sake, and Kane wasn't even in the stadium. Well, he might have been in there somewhere, but Kane wasn't even on the bench, and we beat them. He must fucking hate us so much because. He's got the most richly assembled squad in the Premier League. They're breaking FFP rules left and right. They're making up companies so they can sponsor themselves. They're trying everything they can possibly do to be the most dominant club in English football. And twice a season, he sees he sees Tottenham turn up, the sixth biggest club in the country who have to sell to buy, that have got players on bonus contracts. No one's on crazy, crazy money. And he goes... I can't beat these bastards. And even if I do beat them once, they'll come and beat me straight back. It, he must fucking hate us or secretly really love to coach us, but he never will because he's a fucking bald fraud and I wouldn't want him near my club. Um, yeah, so he must fucking hate us and it's great. And to see, yeah, the guy that he really wanted but didn't want enough completely just turn him over and dominate him his whole richly assembled team he dominated that back line and actually Kulisevsky as well that was one thing about Kulisevsky actually so strong on the ball yeah. didn't let himself get bullied off the ball normally it's only Kane that's like that but it was him as well Kulisevsky's it's him as well and that he's definitely an upgrade he's looking like an upgrade on Lucas already um yeah it must really hurt poor Pep's little feelings yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite enjoyable actually. Just knowing, I mean, uh, again, match a day. Uh, uh, it was one of those throwaway lines that the commentator said and probably didn't interrogate. But going back to this whole like narrative thing, there was a moment on match of the day where they were talking about. Um, hey, so Kane scores his goal, right? And obviously, I've, this was the second time I've, I watched it. I watched it basically back to back, and Kane bops one in, and then it's like, oh, and Kane showing Pep and Man City. Um, exactly why they, they went all out for him and some in the summer and couldn't get him. And I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> 75 million for the best striker in the world is not going all out for him. And then Pep after the game was like, yeah, no, we, you know, we, we tried, but nothing like, he sort of like shrugged it as off as if to say like, oh, we didn't really even want him. And like, it just, it just stunk. Like it stunk to me of sour grapes. 
like again, I hope Kane sees that and goes, you know what? Like fuck those guys. Like yeah, maybe I wanted that before, and maybe that seemed like a good move, but actually. I don't want to do that. And look, maybe that's me just being optimistic, but I, I hope that's how he feels. Um, yeah, it happens with a lot of the big clubs, actually. I think clubs like Manchester City they and Liverpool and United, I think a lot of the so-called smaller clubs that Man City are never a bigger club than Spurs, but just, just humour me. Um, they're kind of used to clubs opening their legs for them when it's like, oh, yes, you want to buy our best player? Here! Legs akimbo, like, yes, go on, enter. Like, and... Uh, Levy's like, no, no, don't want to. We're not selling. Fuck off. Fuck off. Now you're right. Now you're right. And, you know, you think about the Luis Diaz deal and him going to to Liverpool. It's like, we have to work really, really hard to sign players. And as soon as a Liverpool comes along, they just go, oh, yes, legs wide open, please, yes. And it must really, and you can see why he's so bitter about it, because not only do we dominate them on the on the pitch, off the pitch, they can't get what they want out of us. And it must really hurt his little feelings. Absolutely. Yeah, Pe- Pepper's a bit like um, didn't want to. Next. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You could have signed Harry Kane, but you didn't. Didn't want to. Next. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, I guess we'll just get into some questions. Um, Sam THFC90 asks, would you rather two-foot your kid sorry, would you, would you rather <laughs> Romero two-foot your kid or buy an NFT monkey off John Terry? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't know. I have to answer that one. This just made me laugh. Um, oh my god! I mean, what 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 is with all this? Um, the John Terry NFT thing. It's quite weird, isn't it? Because there are a lot of players who are going into this, and I don't understand NFTs enough to know whether or not this is some sort of scam. But I do find it a little bit problematic when he's got players as monkeys on his NFT thing, and no one seems to be talking about it. People have. I mean, he was trending for for about a day, wasn't it? Willian, who was the monkey, wasn't that Willian's yes, NFT? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And Tammy Abraham's done I one think, as well, hasn't he? I think so. Willian had the had the NFT that was a monkey, and John Terry must have shared it. I I, I don't know, but um, I like to take the two footed because I can't I can't I can't have a monkey. No. <laughs> you know, I love I love my child, but he'll have to he'll have to suffer a bit. Yeah, it's it's character building. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's character building, so it'd be fine. Um. I haven't got a kid. Well, none that I know of. So actually, maybe that'd be quite a laugh. Imagine that. It was just some random like household in uh, Doncaster. The mum opens the door and then Romero just two-foots him. He's like, well, who's that for? John Bass. And she's going, Malia, 2002. What? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, any other questions, boys, that you've seen that we should answer? Or I didn't see. Oh, yeah, I did have a quick question. Would you rather, I'll give you some time, would you rather lick Pep's sweaty head or Grealish's sweaty calf? Uh, <laughs> fuck Pep. I do I'd fancy lick... Grealish. Yeah, I mean, Grealish shaves his legs as well. I think it'd be quite smooth. I think it'd be fairly arousing if you had your eyes closed. So I'd probably go for that. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, just it feel that feels right to me. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go for that one. Uh, anything else, boys? Anything else no, I'm having a look. look. No, I'm having a look, and there's nothing that leaps out uh, as much as we appreciate the questions. Um, someone's asked, uh, "What was better, Saturday, uh, Saturday or Leicester?" Oh, that's a good one. Saturday by a mile, um, because um, because of the week that led up to it, I think Saturday was bigger. But Leicester was awesome because um, I just did not see that coming. I mean, Saturday there was we were two one up and we were playing better. Leicester, they were smashing us for long spells and the scene and the fact that Leicester fans are singing Tottenham get battered everywhere they go and then we yeah. end up beating them three two was was just glorious and um I I mean move moving slightly away from the question a little bit. I think it's exciting to see what Bentancor and Kulisevsky can do for us next season. Um mm-hmm. my initial reaction was that Bentancur didn't play well on Saturday but the more the more footage I'm seeing I'm realising that I probably had a bit of a blind spot there because he Played a few passes, but I think next season, could, if we do get top four, next season could be something else for us. Yeah, I think I think it's it's frustrating because I don't want to be this top four is the be all and end all, but I do think yeah, it it does make it it does make a big difference to the next like two or three seasons if we can get it this year. 
then I think we can add like quality to the squad, which is which is missing. I actually think um, Ben Skor and Kulisewski have been two really good additions, and we got rid of some players. So more that the time goes on, I do think actually there was pretty like net pretty good window. Mm. Um, I also thought to Ben Skor, I was a bit like first half, I was a bit like fucking hell, he he just can't keep up with the pace of the Premier League. I was like he's he's really struggling, but actually. Someone, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Someone basically said, like, there's a moment where Ben Skor gets the ball and plays that ball to Kulisevsky. There's actually a really simple ball on to Doherty. And he chooses to, like, play forward, given the circumstances it was quite brave. That's the sort of difference in players who've got that ability and got that, that vision. They can win you the game by being prepared to, like, play the pass before the pass, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, I think that's what we're getting with him is even when he was giving the ball away and being shut down, he kept taking it in tight areas and he was like prepared to play through the midfield. And we need that. Like we really do need that. And so I actually, yeah, again, when I watched it on match of day, I was like, fucking hell, he actually had some key moments here where he really got us going. Um, so yeah. Cool. All right, boys. I think that's, that's enough. Uh, that was yep. great. I really enjoyed reliving um, what, a, what a glorious victory that was for us. Uh, Burnley next. We're going to smash them up. Um, easy work. So easy, easy work. Um, we're going to get battered everywhere we go. Uh, anything else to add, T? Cal, anything else from you, boys? Nothing, nothing else on me, but Viva Tottenham. Viva Conte. Exactly. Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 This summer, when you're on the go, stay connected to what matters most with access to over 3 million Cox Wi-Fi hotspots. Learn more at cox.com. Ask Ashley the podcast is sponsored by Cox. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.